I was going to say gorilla, but that seemed too real because I bet there was a fucking spot there, where people stood around through bricks of gorillas. And come to think of it, gorillas in prob- cages, of course. You know, they wouldn't take any chances. There's probably been a WWE character who was a gorilla. I, <laughs> I'm just statistically, the odds are there. And it was probably racist. Hello, listener, and welcome to the Downloadable Content Podcast. I'm Fox, and it's my birthday. And if I don't do an intro, they're threatening to sing happy birthday to me for an opening. <laughs> so, uh, uh, gears a day, old slice of birthday cake, Talon Lee! Now you're one year older. You said you wouldn't sing if I did an intro! This is entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> and a, 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 a mid-flight, half-deflated helium balloon, Jebrich! You see, he wasn't actually singing happy birthday. That's a different birthday song. It is! Uh-huh. And it's Canadian! It, what? It's Canadian. It's the Happy Happy Birthday song by the Arrogant Worms, who are Canadian. Is that what you were singing? Yeah. I'm no, sorry, I don't you. recognize songs without melody! And don't! Ooh. You don't fuck with me on my birthday, man. Oh, <laughs> quick. And... Hey, Jeb, what have you been playing this week? <laughs> Fucking wrecked. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what vicious. have I been playing? feel kind of bad now. No, 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 you must revel in the dunk. You must bask in the glow of the dunk. I am the emperor of birthdays. <laughs> Pose if you have to. <laughs> oh, dear. Re- re- so, Jeb, Let video me... games. Right, what? what? Um, yeah, it's a video uh, game podcast. Video games, Please ignore uh... the half hour we had talking about rugby. What yeah. you been playing? Uh, well, I picked up... Uh, Dragon Quest Heroes. Oh, yes, the Musou game. Which is, yeah, it's the Dragon Quest Musou game. With Dragon Quest characters, and more importantly, Dragon Quest enemies in it. Did you two both correct my pronunciation? <laughs> well, I did it directly. Jeb just did it by pronouncing it correctly when he said it. <laughs> Sorry, you tried. Dragon Dragon Quest enemies, so you have metal slimes. <laughs> Dragon Quest Musume? You have... You have slimes, and you have drackies, and you have wyverns, and all of them. It's great. And they all have their classic Toriyama designs, so they look really, really happy all the time, even when they're murdering you. It is a style. It is a style, and it's great. <laughs> kind of think uh, of it, how is that not a Dragon Ball Musou by now? I don't know. That's it a, seems like, like it'd be a yeah. perfect fit, though. Yeah. You don't really see... In, in Dragon Ball, you don't really see... Uh, the Huge piles to... of enemies? Yeah, it's more just one-on-one stuff. But this could, be, like, this could be the opportunity to see the massive Dragon Ball shit fight. Just have, like, a million androids. <laughs> and, you know, one big boss thing in the middle of them, sure. Yeah. It's like in, in, in Dragon Quest Heroes, like, you'll, have, you'll be fighting off, like, oh, look, there's five dozen fucking slimes, and also <laughs> a golem. <laughs> Though, I mean, honestly, at the point where there's... What is there now? There's there's a Zelda Warriors game. There's a Dragon Quest one. There's going to be an Atelier one. There's a Legend of Arslan one. I just, at this point, I'm pretty sure there should just be one for everything. There, like, there should. I'm really That's down with that. Pokemon my... Musou? What do you think? Yes. I'm, I'm so down with that. There should be one for everything. That's one of my two, two companies that get to make a game in every franchise. One is Koei Tecmo... Making a Muso game. Uh-huh. The other is Platinum. Platinum doesn't oh. do it good, <laughs> yeah, but I okay. want to see them try. Yeah. I've got a third one. 
I would play a mystery dungeon for just about anything. I just had the vision of a mystery dungeon. Uh, what's that? What's that Twin Peaks style? Gravity Falls. No, 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 no. The, 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 twin, the twin Peaks style. Uh, it, it, Killer is dead. Developer. I. I oh, Swery. Suda. Swery. Yeah, I want to see a Swery mystery dungeon well, game. Like Swery or Suda Fifty One. No, no, no. All, all, all Swery. Because Killer is Killer is dead. Is is Suda Fifty One? It yeah. is Suda Fifty One. Yeah, yeah. Killer so. Killer is dead. Is, is Swery is the it's like Deadly Premonition, the one who makes Deadly the, Premonition. The games, like, that's the one. <laughs> it's like okay. With, the, with the follow up, Dark Dark Dreams Don't Die. Um, not actually a sequel or a follow up, but yeah, odd. <laughs> it's it's odd. Yeah, I want to see a mystery dungeon of those. Actually, I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen more uh, horror mystery dungeon because, as far as RPG type things go, where you kill lots of stuff and level up and whatnot, they're like way more. They have a lot more commitment involved because you like there's no safe scumming. You you go down to a dungeon, it saves automatically. You die down there, you have to deal with the consequences of. Like it's it's uh, you know your Dark Soulsy kind of save system mm. Uh, mm. for a you know, 2D grid-based RPG things, so it would actually merge pretty well with a, a more sort of bleak setting behind it. Yeah. Reminiscent of, um, of, uh, Binding of Isaac. Uh, sure, I don't really know that. Oh, I've heard of Anyway, yeah, I, so, so you've been enjoying your Dragon Quest game? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, it's really it's nice a bit easier than, than most, uh, Warriors games so far. Yeah? But I'm okay with that. <laughs> Uh, it's not too overly complicated, and um, when you when you de- when you fail a mission, you still keep all your progress, like or all your 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 experience and your money and your loot, so you don't lose out on any levels you gained if a mission goes wrong right at the end. Which it's is like a nice the opposite concession. of Mystery Dungeon. Yeah, which is pretty good, I think, because then they have like the challenge modes and whatnot for if you want to do like really stupid hard stuff. Um. The uh, Dragon Quest Heroes has incredibly bad accents in the voice acting. No, no. Which is great because, like, there's there's a very tiny uh, Sarevna, a, a Russian princess, <laughs> with a with a pointy hat. <laughs> she's the oh. brawler. Nice. Oh goodness. And she's great. <laughs> She like splits herself into different copies to punch people more. <laughs> to punch people more. What a wonderful simple mission statement. <laughs> that is that is it's a it's a fun game and I recommend it to people who like Dragon Warrior or Dragon Quest, whichever you want to say. <laughs> now is that only on PS4? It is on PS4 and on Steam. Ah, okay, yeah, that's pretty accessible. Yeah. Now, uh, what about you, Fox? You been playing any games this week? I also oh, played Overwatch. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll go back to Jeb. What well, Jeb can have my what you been playing because I like there's nothing. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so Jeb, this this uh, Overwatching that that gorilla is from the Moon Simulator. Uh, I don't know anything about the Moon. I've never seen anybody. Or never don't know anything about the gorilla. I've never seen anybody play the gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as a point of Overwatch lore, very literally, Winston is from the Moon because. Oh. <laughs> Humans set up a research colony on the moon, and we put gorillas there, and we did animal testing on them. They became super smart, <laughs> wondered what the fuck we were doing, locking them on a planet no nothing could live on, and then experimenting on them, 
rebelled, drove the humans off the moon, and then, like, the moon is just gorilla territory now. And Winston is, like, the emissary of the gorillas of, like, oh no, I'm sure humans are not so bad. Brothers, <laughs> we have become intelligent enough to seize the moon colony, but have we become intelligent enough to embrace our former foes? Yes. Is there something in man that can be redeemed? <laughs> I don't know if that's how it is, but I want it to be that way. I'll be honest, I don't know anybody who actually cares about the lore. <laughs> I'm sure some people do, but that's not what you're here for. Yeah, you hear people the are, shoots. Pe- people are, are in for an okay shooter and really hilarious head cannoning. <laughs> Have you seen Diva and her Doritos? Oh yeah, little gremlin diva. Her little gremlin diva with the with the, sitting at her at her esports keyboard with the, with the Doritos everywhere. It's great. Yeah, that's what people are here for. That is the content. That is I, the good content. For, for that I, that I, makes diva not be insufferable anymore. <laughs> because God knows, listening to her is a chore. I have this real problem where like. Diva, Diva is a very polarizing figure in that half my friends want to be her and the other half of my friends want to never talk to her again. Oh, nobody <laughs> wants to talk to her. <laughs> again, that's not what you're here for. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm generally amazed at watching Overwatch just happen. I... I hope to play Overwatch once my semester's over and I can be an irresponsible goon for a few weeks. <laughs> but, uh, wow. Yeah. That is that is a game with a lot of turbocharged production. Um, <laughs> like, pe- people have gotten way into making fan art for this thing fast. Oh, that kind of production. Uh, also, there's this conversation I've noticed circling around among my friends of the amateur fan art, fan producage kind of field, going, how do you get those butt mouse pads made Ah. because there are people who want them of Genji and there's also (laughs) this design floating around of Zarya's bicep (laughs) (laughs) okay that is a butt mouse pad I would absolutely fucking have yeah perfect and and I've been asked hey you know how to you know how to get things made right how do you do this I'm like I (laughs) I don't want to get cards made I make card games that's different I make dorky card games what the shit I'm not in fabrications But yes. Now, Jeb, you you have played a shoots fun game uh, or, or two in your time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, overall, is is there anything about Overwatch? Like, we we all know that you can play Overwatch to just hang out with the characters, and that's fine. Um, the feel of the game is there anything in there that that stands out to you as particularly noteworthy or particularly bad? It's all just kind of above average. It's <laughs> okay. It's not great. It's not like exceptionally good. So it's it a, works. <laughs> so it's a bit like Blizzard. Sorry, it's a bit like Hearthstone in that it's one of those Blizzard polish cakes. Oh, where it's absolutely! Just it's so <laughs> much polish, just mirror shine, and then underneath it's like, man, it's good enough. Fine. <laughs> I wish I knew enough. more about international desserts now because I wanted to make a joke along the lines of it's called a pierogi talent. <laughs> not a cake. That's not a cake. That's exactly. Made of meat. No, wait, a pierogi's a potato and butter? It's like a meat dumpling, isn't it? I don't know. I don't it's know. Meat it's meat wrapped pota- in meat. It's a potato dumpling. With ah. Sometimes you put meat in it, sometimes you put cheese in it. Ah. Yeah, see, I did not know that, because I do not know many Polish foods. Uh, yeah, do you have any games I, you want? 
I enjoy I enjoy playing as Grandpa Halo and um, <laughs> Soldier seventy six is referred to as Grandpa Halo. Oh, people just call him Daddy because yes. he's a real character. Yeah, they have successfully generic starter thing. He's actually kind he of is. a cool guy. He is, but the the they turned him into Daddy. And doesn't he make? <laughs> Doesn't like like I've been told that he makes dad jokes at some people, and they've been suggesting other dad jokes. I he haven't make. heard anything <laughs> like that. Like apparently, one of his interactions with Mercy is, you know, I am your salvation. He says, "Hello, salvation. I am Soldier Seventy Six, or something I've like that." Never heard anything like that. Yeah, I've I've been told this, <laughs> but. So, I don't know because people who play Overwatch don't actually care about how the characters in the game interact. Yeah, so who cares? It's all headcanon. That's absurd. That's the only thing I do care about. <laughs> I don't play FPS. I just want to they, look at they, all these. They interact people. with bullets. That's how these characters interact. <laughs> I, by the way, big ups on them for the voice acting for uh, Hanzo and Genji. I like it. It's often kind of cringy when you hear a voice that's primarily speaking in English, then shift over to Japanese, but I don't know if they've, like, got actual bilingual speakers or anything like that, but, like, Hanzo and Genji don't sound stupid. They're either bilingual or really fucking good at impersonating anime Japanese. <laughs> the animes are coming from inside the computer! <laughs> well, I mean, apparently that is distinctly different. I, I remember we had a... a anime nerd friends who worked there for several years and her colleagues were very sort of hee you sound like an anime character <laughs> alright well um like Genji is voiced by Gaku Spase that's probably not a white guy's name I have no idea who that no. is but it yeah sounds no. authentic yeah, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not one to say but he uh, appears to, to be he, he appears to be very much like you know um, he is from America, I think. I mean, we're basically talking about the caliber of actor who Mako was. And I am so down with that, it's not funny. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we we need more actors who are going to become him later in their life. Because that's the only way we get more arrows. And I believe that the voice actor for Hanzo is Paul Nakauchi. Which, again, wild guess, probably not a white guy name. <laughs> anyway... Anyway, that cool and stuff. That a lot better than just cheesy, incredibly American voices saying anime stuff. We, we've got a really meaty retro gaming news here, so I'm trying to... Do, oh, yeah, 83 was... Also, 83 was fucking boss for pop music. Have you ever seen that chart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 82 still has Eye of the Tiger, so... Yeah, alright. Alright, but, Fox, have you ever played... 82 oh. has kids in America. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck you! Uh, maybe you just have to be American to get it. <laughs> Jeb's Canadian. That's kind of American. Ooh! <laughs> I quit, I quit, I'm done. I'm out. Mic drop sound. Mm. Okay, Fox. So tell them, what have you been playing? I have been... I, again, been up to my armpits in uh, finishing up final projects putting together dossiers, doing papers on uh, the synthesis of game and, game content and uh, ludic structure and explaining the term ludonarrative dissonance to a... Uh, oh, that sounds fucking boring. It's not great. I'm going <laughs> to give you that. 
but also <laughs> getting to go... the term ludonarrative dissonance without swearing at anyone? <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> he did it just then! The... But, but, uh, I've also been interspersing the swindle because it's a good thing that I can play, throw around for a bit. My thief dies and I'm like, oh, fuck this shit for That's the thing that you, you play to take a break from, from ludonarrative dissonance to, I play to, keep the swindle. Swear, to keep from swearing at ludonarrative yeah, there's nothing, dissonance. There's nothing frustrating in the swindle at all. <laughs> but I also got to head in, um... And hang around at the uni where my teacher is getting final projects from other students making their final games. And they are approaching me and saying, hey, if I want to take the next step and make this like a commercial product, can you give me a hand? Can you tell me how? But there have been some really Uh. interesting kind of little projects that came out from that, uh, including one game a, a, a team developed, which was you're all playing a virus. And I don't mean like a computer virus. I mean, like you're an actual like infest virus and the players are all stuck moving in the same location at first until you invade a cell and then it breaks open and, and you can all scatter out in different directions. It was like the only mechanic they had that was really interesting, but it was really funny. Like the first three turns, like we're stuck. And then... Um, I'm sorry. We also got to play uh, a full round of middleware. In which, full round? Uh, as in we actually got... Full game? A full game. In that we had multiple players playing middleware and... It was it was a really fun experience, particularly because these two people didn't know the game very well, and I've been away from middleware for a while, been developing other games. Was this um, were you testing with people who didn't know deck builders? Didn't know deck builders. Okay, right. So this is who the game was. This was the game was at. the game's targeted audience, the games the players who didn't want harder hacks yet, mm-hmm. and those players stopping and reading all the flavor text and looking at the cards, and then having my teacher who's you know, he, he himself knows. He's a fairly privileged chap reading, in part, little cards at a time, the stories of a of a um, agent of a non-binary programmer stuck behind the eight ball of insurance. He's just like, this is this is heartbreaking. I was like, yeah, this this is happening all the time. He's like, jeez, that was really wonderful just to see that story being played out to someone. It was why you chose the themes that you did for Metalware, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and he also noted that um, he, he noted that his behavior was becoming much like the character he was playing. He played Arkito, um, where he's like, oh, yeah. hang on, I, I get to play video games and pilot drones. This is awesome. This is everything I want in life. Because <laughs> he li- he owns, like, like uh, camera yeah, drones. Yeah. Not, my, drones not for killing people. My, my teacher does not have ambitions of bombing shepherds, no. Yes. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, he played some of that, and he um, and he remarked that the second that the debt stopped being a problem, he was like, "Well, I might as well just spend all my money." And it's like that's exactly <laughs> what a seventeen-year-old with a no-limit credit card is going to do. <laughs> Can I buy an Iron Man suit? Well, uh, yeah, let's find out. Yeah. It was it was really fun, really heartening, and the game is the game is reasonably balanced for first timers. It it worked out reasonably well. It's just that the Harder Hacks expansion just came out, <laughs> and it's not a nice expansion. It it makes things a lot harder. Well, that's for people who do know deck builders and uh, are completely going to sit across the table from each other and go, if you buy that, it'll be way better. Yeah. yeah go, go on. <laughs> buy it. Buy it. Come on. Come on. Buy it. What's the matter? You think you're going to get a Hulk card? Come on. Come on, you us. Go on. Buy it. Buy it. Yes. So that, that was a lot of fun. 
um, just being able to sit down and watch people reacting to the games I made. I really loved that. Wasn't we going to ask Fox what she's been working on? Oh. I seriously have been playing like nothing this week, and I've barely got any work done on either of the jams that I yeah. wanted to do. It's been kind of birthday week. It's of been my birthday, out with and I suddenly have a, a bit of paid work that I need to get done as well. So it's just been like, ah, no, can't. I just want to draw sex, but no, mm. no. Instead, Picross. <laughs> I don't know how it's gonna go. If if it all goes a bit wrong, I'll probably have to call off uh, ILU jam because Yai jam is two months long. Yeah. So I can still finish that, but we'll see what happens. Neither of my concepts is especially short this time, and the real problem is the Yai Jam concept has five love interests, mm. uh, which might be more than I can do. But really, I just need a fucking background artist. Question? <laughs> hey, if you like drawing background artists for sex games, give me a call. And a related question for this. Like, the game is not expected to be perfect at the end of the two months, right? No, no, the, you can release a beta if that's what you got. Yeah, so I'm thinking if I do try anything in this vein, it'll be, yeah, stick oh, figure diagrams yeah, with absolutely. text over the faces kind of thing. You can use, like, placeholder art. You can use assets you're not supposed to use for a final one as long as it's like, yeah, this is, this is a place, this is composition image. Yeah, the only, yeah. It, I'll have to look into seeing how uh, this game handles statistics and how I can interact with those statistics because, well, boyfriend material. Anyway. Ooh. Ready? Got, got a sponsor for retro gaming news? I just... Uh, yes, but uh, what? I, I could just do art for that instead of finishing the one I'm going to do. We'll see. If I don't have to do programming and we'll see story and everything, I think, yeah, okay. We'll see what happens because I, I have classwork. I don't want to prioritize uh, yeah, okay, anything yeah, until I'm done. That's fair. Okay. <clears throat> I'm not doing anything for either of these jams, because uh, I can't make games. But, at last check, Fiesta's coming up, isn't it? Fiesta! Fiesta! And Jeb is going to Fiesta quite hard. I do not know what my commitments are going to be at that time. Depending so on know. whether or not my computer blows up this year. Yeah. Oh, it's Final Fantasy again. Yes. Right. Yes, the four-job Fiesta. Same game? Yep. And I believe that Jeb is doing a no-nerds run. No nerds. Is that like no wizard types? Or? Right. <laughs> is a bard a nerd or? A uh, bard is listed in the seven fifties, I believe. I'm the, not se- sure what uh, that means. the the seven fifty the seven fifty class of jobs are are ones that can break rods and similar classes to them. Yeah, like bard it's weird. and well, it's to have because there's only like four classes that can break rods. I was not prepared for the depth and categorization of this metagame. It is a weird thing. <laughs> I, well, I, the I, thing I, is, because breaking rods is a really, really easy way to cheese some parts of the early game. Yeah. yeah. Because when you break a rod, it casts an August spell of the element. And you can buy these in the second dungeon. Or before the second dungeon, yeah. Also, did anyone else catch the Gilgabot sassing someone complaining about how hard Final Fantasy V was. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That yeah, was this good. Game, like, go this back game to is, your baby games. Yeah, go back to your baby games like Dark Souls. <laughs> oh, that's what that was about. Yes. <laughs> that's the Gilgabot. Radio. We'll talk, we'll talk more about Fiesta when it is not <laughs> birthday time, though. Yes. Let's find out which games were born the same year as me. And now it's time for Retro Gaming News. I'll respect it. <clears throat> Now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news that was fit to print for the year of 1983. Brought to you by Emperor Birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a lot of there's a lot of releases that 
probably haven't borne up to memory. So, as always, I'm going to be giving a, a surface skim of the year. And we're going to talk about some other things than just the games that came out. Sure, sure. Don't leave too much out, though. I'm not... I, I want to know all the ugly junk as well. Yeah, well, we're going to start... This is divided up into types. So we're going to start with Ooh. arcade cabinets. <laughs> okay. Wow. I forgot how old I am. Yep. Well, you got to understand that you're talking 83... Uh, there's not a whole lot of video game console industry. Not yet, no. <laughs> um, well, there, curiously, there is... Well, it had one... already crashed once, and it well, was about to crash again. Exactly. 1983 is regarded as the first year of the great video game crash of the 80s. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, at the beginning of the year, profits for video game sales were 3.2 billion US. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, they were 100 million. Oh, wow. So we are talking about a massive market contraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gosh. And, and they, they, it's, it's, when the, it's when the Crash 84 started. Yeah. So we decide that we basically, you know, Atari's made everything you can make with a black background and three blocks. Well, it's also that, the in, funnily enough, video game companies were doing stupid stuff. Ah. And one of the things was Atari paid way too much for the ET license. They, they promised that we could make it a massive profit, yeah, so we want, yeah. we want to pay millions of dollars we don't have they, to buy... Go on, Jeff. Go, go, no, just go on. They, I'm going to let you... They got the license, and then they also threw in a rider of like, oh yeah, we'll also give you a percent of the profits, because that's how confident we are this is just going to be the uh-huh. best-selling thing ever. And? And they made E.T. And they made E.T. And? It's now mostly landfill in New Mexico. They made and they... more copies of the game, more physical cartridges of the game. Oh god, yeah. Then there were Atari twenty six hundred consoles. Oh, superb! So just in case you wanted two copies, one just to play and one to put in a display cabinet. And that want... wasn't their biggest train wreck. Yeah, they were just. That's that just wasn't how their biggest train were. wreck. Do you know what game they actually managed to fuck up? Uh, like, you know, E.T., it's like, okay, how the fuck do we make a game out of E.T.? I can understand that being bad. That's kind of hard, yeah. But do you know like Star what they Wars, act- but that was only a NES game. Pac-Man. They fucked up Pac-Man. They fucked, they up, Pac-Man. fucked up Pac-Man. Wow. Yep. Because how do you do that? Pac-Man's already made. A yeah. couple fucking... They gave, they, gave, they gave them a couple fucking months to port it over. And it's like, uh, this is what we have. Fuck it. Wow. Get it out for the holidays. Oh, on, a, on a system no. that basically had as much RAM as a box of cereal. Sure. Well, no, I mean, it also was just, it, it was, well, because like Ms. Pac-Man on it was fine. But yeah. the Pac-Man port was terrible. There were no animations. Oh, yeah, my cousin had Ms. Pac-Man on his Atari. Yeah. I remember that now. Pac-Man right. only faced one direction. He very definitively <laughs> did not have Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the reason why the, 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 the revenues of Holiday 20, uh, 20, eh. 1984. 1884. The, the, the Holiday 83 was so bad was, this is terrible, I want a refund. Yeah. Wow. I am taking this back. And at this point, they hadn't gotten big into the predatory practices, and they were just regarding computer games as kind of a standard object, so you could, of course you can get a full refund. There was no policies in place Well, to you couldn't prevent- just immediately copy them in those days. Well, that's part <laughs> of it. So yeah, it was it was a bit of a bit of a thing. Um, this this was the year where the massive contraction happened. So, as far as games that came out in the arcades, let us behold the impending desert. Well, the arcade might be good. The arcade. So first up, we have Namco releasing the first game in a franchise 
about a cop. This cop Lapping is also chase? a mouse. Lock- ah, oh, Mappy? that's going to be my next question. Mappy! Um, <laughs> Sega released... I, I've never heard of this game. Um, <laughs> in the Japanese market. And it was the first Laserdisc video game using pre-rendered computer-animated film footage as backdrops overlaid with sprites. And Laserdiscs in 83? They had Laserdiscs oh, yeah. in 83. Holy shit. That's uh, why they were the size of a plate. Yeah, um, Sega. Um, Honestly, this game looks kind of good. Like, it's a rail shooter. Does it have, like, really profoundly 80s anime sprites? No, no. Okay. Um, it's a game called Astron Belt. No. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have gotten that. Nope. Okay, it's... It's a release which features the first appearance of the protagonist's brother. The protagonist's brother? Yes. The protagonist of that game? Of that game. Had we seen that protagonist in other games beforehand? Yes. In fact, the game is named after the fact that they're brothers. It's just... Mario Brothers. Yeah, it's the first... Oh! It's the first appearance of Luigi. Shit, right, there you go. Who wasn't in the first two Mario Brothers games. Mario Brother. Mario Brother. (laughs) Brother Mario! Oh, he was man. originally a monk. Jump man. Yes. Also, the very first... This is, again, arcade. This is like stand-up cabinets. Cinematronic released Advanced Microcomputer Systems game, which was the second Laserdisc video game. Sorry, microcomputer. The... <laughs> An arcade cabinet. An arcade cabinet with a Laserdisc, which, again, is the size of a dinner plate. Superb. Uh, the second video Laserdisc video game, the first in the American uh, market... And this game is somewhat renowned for the involvement of a former Disney animator. Dragon Slayer? Dragon Slayer. That was... 1983. Shit Christ. Yep. I thought that was so much later than that. Wow. No. That was a classic. And that's why the gameplay was so weird, because the the arcade cabinet had two buttons. How the fuck right. do you do this? <laughs> it was a choose-your-own-adventure book you fed quarters into. It was amazingly bad. Well, I, I, I don't know. That sounds, like, amazingly it, profitable. It was. You can get people to pay for every stupid, pointless death in a choose-your-own-adventure book. It was you also, have a lot of money. It was also, you know, the the animation quality was something, like, you didn't fucking see at the arcade. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, that's why I'm thinking, holy shit, that was in 83. Wow. It looked gorgeous. Talent, talent. Um, imagine uh, King's Quest on an arcade machine. Oh God, no! <laughs> you was, oh, you went basically ham when that's you tried to jump basically that Dragon's Lair. <laughs> that's basically Dragon's Lair. Oh, so you're left or fucking yeah, right? <laughs> Dragon's Lair was probably more forgiving than King's Are Quest. You sure? Because if you fucked up in Dragon's Lair at any point. You died within the next two button presses. It's not like King's Quest where you can ruin oh. the game in the first thirty seconds. It's like, oh, well, wait. You're, oh. That might be worse actually because you keep playing on the same <laughs> coin until you died. Somewhere, like you're just the number of times per day you could die and put money in would go down. Oh no! I think we need to reconsider our death to coin ratio. <laughs> okay. Next up, uh, there's a couple of other things here, including a game called Beggar's Battle, um, another release of Astron Belt. Uh, a the couple of other factory? It's spelt that way um, <laughs> And a game called Libble Rabble Which again, uh-huh. I don't know nothing about this <laughs> But sure. That's the uh, The Sisters of Bubble Bobble Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
We have an arcade game developed and released by Bally Midway. The game draws inspirations from the James Bond films and was originally supposed to be a James Bond game. The object of the game is to drive down roads in the technologically advanced Interceptor car and destroy various <laughs> enemy vehicles with a variety of fucking weapons. Love Spy Hunter. <laughs> yes, it's Spy that Hunter. That music is iconic. <laughs> is uh is this Okay, this sounds like they were going to make a James Bond game with driving segments and then they realized the driving, driving was segments fun were and the cut, best thing. Like, they just cut everything these else are out. fucking cool. Wait, wait, what if we made just the whole game about driving segments? <laughs> I mean, that's Wait, that's what if great. sometimes the boat turns, the car turns into a boat? Yes. A lot of indie games could benefit crying from boat. that sort of, uh, that that sort boat, of willingness to change boat. tactic. <laughs> like, hey, we probably can't make the whole game that we wanted to make. What have we got that's good? Uh, I don't know, we got a good dancing minigame? Sweet, let's just do that. So, in addition to this, as points of trivia, like Spy Hunter is an old game. It's 1983. It had a lot of influence. Um, and the people who loved Spy Hunter are the people who moved on the to people who make fucking podcasts well, about, yes. and talk about <laughs> and rave about Spy Hunter in 2006 fucking teen. Yeah, but, but Spy Hunter has shown up in some weird places. Like in Teen Titans Go, the most recent uh, Teen Titans TV series, there's little five minute sections. There's a cyborg is routinely shown playing a game called Pie Hunter, which is a direct rip. Like, you see a pie floating up the screen. exactly. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And, and like, in, in Mafia Wars, the Zenga game, you can get the Spy Hunter car. Alright, fine, whatever, whatever. In Murder, She Wrote, episode <laughs> Hit, Run, and Homicide, <laughs> Jessica Fletcher realizes the solution to the episode's mystery... While playing Spy Hunter yes. in the Cabot Cove grocery store. Of course. <laughs> okay, uh, Jessica Fletcher. Yes. She's played by... Angela, Angela Lansbury. Lansbury. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. I know, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> so, at this point, you have a, a, a genteel murder mystery author in her 60s standing in the arcade feeding quarters at the Spy Hunter and then going, I know how that actual person was actually murdered now. That is almost as good as the ending of Bedknobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Atari's attempt to make a racing game because, you know, Spy Hunter meant racing was so hot right now. <laughs> uh, Even though that was a game about driving and shooting. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and to be fair, this, this game has a generally positive uh, uh, history, and it uses... Pole Position? Yes, Pole Position 2 <laughs> came out. Wow, uh, Jeb was good in 1983. Yeah, Jeb knows you shit. played a lot of arcade machines. Jeb knows his shit. <laughs> I uh, did not play a lot of arcade machines. However, most of these games came out on the Atari 2600, or the Commodore ah. 64, and those are things I grew up with. Right. <laughs> Tell me, Jeb, Pole Position, did you ever see the cartoon... It was a cartoon. <laughs> there was a. How do you make a cartoon out of that? <laughs> well, first you make them both radic. You make both the player options radical teens, and then you make both the cars wisecracking robots. Yeah. Oh, God. And then you, you sure give them do. like a flying cat. <laughs> and I'm, I'm on- down with the flying cat. <laughs> and they're on the trail of their parents' killer. Of course. Of course they are. Which they get by racing. Man, shit got serious when you had to import story into old video games. <laughs> Basically, this game came out and they were like, this mask cartoon is doing well. Can we do that? Can we do a mask cartoon? I t- oh, 
There was a certain hardcore thoughtlessness to Yes! <laughs> and they're on the trail of their parents' killer, because why not? It's a cartoon. Murder is an appropriate topic. Go! <laughs> and this is, a, this is a game about driving a, a Formula One racing car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Radical teenagers, uh, transforming wisecracking yeah. cars, robot cat, and murder. All right. Also, Parental murder. Yeah. Uh, you didn't think I'd go there, but I went so, there. So, mm-hmm. Someone's the ja- killed the parent. The Japanese release of a game that was given a number of re-releases and a Wii remake fairly recently. Um, basically, you get to punch a variety of ridiculous racist stereotypes. Oh, oh punch, out. punch out. Punch out! It's like the most well-loved, quite racist game I know. <laughs> like, most of the time people are like, oh, yeah, that game's a bit racist, that's a problem, but, you know, I still like it. But no, like, people love Punch Out! They fucking love this game! And it's like, really... Really fucked last, up. Last week, I got to watch uh, oh, Sky yeah. stream. They had a very special stream of, of Punch Out Wii, uh, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't him playing. No, it was his it was his dad. <laughs> oh, I heard about this. And his dad beat Punch Out Wii with motion <laughs> controls in about an hour. I, and he trashed talk to the TV. <laughs> I was asking Talon about this, and I was like, wait, is this a My Dad is a Cool Gamer story, or is this a My Dad is like a fucking boxer or something story? <laughs> well, he's both now. Just <laughs> a really nice dad. <laughs> and uh, the other final note for arcade stand-ups in 1983 is the release by a company called Williams of a game called Blaster. Uh-huh. Ring any bells, Jeb? Um, no, unless it ends with Master. No, no, Blaster is just a game... That's it's fairly unremarkable, except it was the first arcade game which was programmed and created originally on a home Atari 8-bit computer. Oh. It oh, was wow. effectively an indie game, mm-hmm. arcade cabinet. Oh. Huh. Just an interesting little tidbit. Indeed. On the other hand, we also have the personal computer. You know, those grindy swamp box sounding monsters with no hard drives and four disk drives because you had to load the operating system on something. Excuse Run me. for the whole family. Excuse me. Tape real good, sir. <laughs> oh, yes, Tape yes, yes. Real. In June of 1983, Yuji Hori releases There's No Way You Know This Game for the NEC P6 6001 in Japan, which was an influential adventure game that laid the foundation for Wait. the visual novel genre. Can you Advent- do this one, Jeb? Is this... Uh, uh, I should know what this is! You should! Dragon Slayer 1? No, no, not even close. Not even a fantasy genre thing. It's a sci-fi cyberpunk thing. The Portopia Serial Murder Case. Hmm. It was a detective thing. It was a detective thing. Wow. Hmm. Like, you know, it was a cyberpunk thing, but only because that's how it looked. And it got a mobile remake... And in the mobile remake, all the characters are now hot. <laughs> nice. They were probably supposed to be originally. Uh, the original cover had a very 1980s computer cover drawing. Of course of it did. It was 1983. Of a sad black man with an enormous afro and a handlebar mustache looking off <laughs> into the horizon as a white chalk outline was drawn by his head. It was a weird... <laughs> all right. I'm fine with this remake idea. Okay. Uh, here's one. Infocom released a sequel which turned out to be one of their top-selling games, not just of this year, but of most of their career. Uh, Return this, to Zork? 
Nope. In this game, you played a custodial worker. You were... Wait, Space Quest? No. That was a... No, that, was a that was Sierra. That was Sierra. Yeah, but, of course it was. But before Sierra made a game about I a space janitor... I got bought by what? Infocom made a game about a space janitor. And it and... was called... Oh, wait, no. This isn't the sequel. This is the original. My oh. bad. Uh, this is the one where you get stranded on a planet. And only person with you is a tiny, dorky robot. Sure, it's not Space Quest. It's not Space Quest. It's not Space Quest. It's... It's Planetfall. Okay. Oh. Planetfall. Did that get a remake recently? Or I, some attention to have... Some it, reason to have attention recently? It fucking better not have. We talked about it on the podcast last year, where I was talking about meaningful deaths in video games. Because, oh, right. That's spoiler for a 33-year-old game... Uh, Floyd dies in that. You have to you have to commit to an action that kills Floyd. And rather than just, okay, the dorky robot goes off and does the thing, the, the robot does the thing, gets mortally injured, and comes back to you crying and dies in your arms, asking you to tell him if he's done a good job. Jesus! And it's a page of text, and it is fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> and it wrecked me. No kidding. Absolutely wrecked me. And then in the sequel, he's back because they were just hey, he's a robot. We rebuilt him. Ah! <laughs> what is that about meaningful deaths? Dicks. Uh, God, so, that's worse than Blade Two. So a, a company uh, that just formed this year uh, decided to team up with this quite let's call him eccentric uh, game developer to make the third game in his personal magnum opus of games. And it was one of the first role-playing video games to use a tactical turn-based combat was released the Apple II, the Atari 800, the Commodore 64, and the IBM PC. Yeah, it was a really widespread game. 1983? Yep, and Jeb has uh, spoken positively of this series in the past. Yeah, have I oh. spoken really positively about the fourth one in this series? You've spoken really positively about the first and the second ones of this series. Is this oh. the one that I'm always mistaking for the first Warcraft and it had Pegasus <laughs> no. units in it? No, no, that's Warlords. No, it's okay. not that. Uh, Wait, so it's not Ultima? No, it is Ultima. Oh, you you you've spoken about Ultima Two being a game where you can show mercy, and it's, it's that's Ultima Four. Oh well, shut my mouth. <laughs> Ultima oh, Two was kind of not that old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ultima Ultima's super old. Ultima, Ultima started in fucking basic. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it would have to be since I was playing Ultima Eight uh, in the nineties. Yeah, and that's the early nineties of that. And by the way, the series had forked at that point. Well, mid nineties because there was also the Ultima Underworld. Yeah, Underworld. Games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, Koi release a game for Japanese computers. It is a combination of role-playing turn-based grand strategy and management simulation elements, setting a standard for the historical simulation and strategy RPG genres. And apparently, games are still being made and that apparently, directly name this. And apparently, Jeb also thinks really highly of these series of games. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I know what this... I think Jeb has worked out what this game is. This is probably Romance of the Three Kingdoms? No. Okay, no. then it's Nobunaga's Ambition. It's Nobunaga's Ambition, yes. Okay, the because when you... One. I was thinking it was Nobunaga's Ambition until you said games are still being made in this and Romance of the Three Kingdoms 13 comes out on North America this year. So, goodbye. <laughs> there uh, there was a Nobunaga's Ambition made fairly recently. I mean, yeah. one console ago. But have I talked about Pokemon Conquest? You have, yeah. you have. Now... Fucking neat. Next up, we have the opening salvo from a fresh game company that were all released in the same month. Oh. I'm not going to tell you all of them, 
but were they digital artists? They 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 thought yeah yeah that's a way to phrase it. Um, the games were Hard Hat Mac, Pinball Constructor Kit, Archon, a game Pinball called Worms with a question mark, not the Worms shooter franchise. <laughs> Pinball on Construction the... Kit was amazing. Murder on the Zindernerf, and one game which I'm not going to name, which kind of invented the a, a lot of strategy genres as well, which we talked about quite at length in an earlier podcast this year. Uh, did it kind of invent the business simulation genre? Yeah, it kind of did, and it was did it kind of did it kind of involve being on space and using really shitty robots to do shit. That is it's indeed with the, the mules. Mule. It is mule. It is mule by Daniel Baltonberry. Yes, this uh, was the birth of electronic arts back when they had a soul. The, yes, back when they were like when when they when they published their opus of like can a video game make you cry? In the same year, Planetfall came out, so I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> oh, the, the 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 early days of electronic arts were were something important. Mm-hmm. They really were. On the ZX Spectrum, a game that was referred to for the first time as a platform game came out. On the Specky? On the the ZX Specky, yep. Released by a company called Bug Bite and developed by a man named Matthew Smith. Um, Um, is this... It involves being underground. Mm Mm-hmm. Just as a hint. Um, Pit? No, that's that's not... That's not underground, that's jungle. There's some underground section somewhere, I think. Um, uh... Its name is Load Runner. It starts with an M. Starts with an M. Yep. Uh. It's Manic Miner. Oh nope, never heard of that. Yep. And then a company called Ultimate Play the Game. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Released its first video games, Jetpack and Attic Attic, yes. for the ZX Spectrum. Yes. Attic. Rare. Yep. This is the company that would later become Rareware, and then just Rare. Video games Jet. had such weird names. They really Jet did. Pack was Note so that good. Violence Fight came out around this time. <laughs> <laughs> jetpack. Yeah, you, you have a jetpack. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, Jetpack was a game that was pleasantly simple and sincere in its demands. Okay, see, the equivalent of this for Violence Fight would just be if they called it Fight Fight. Though <laughs> 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 so you kind of do want to make a game now that's just called Punch Fight. Also, One word. Also, Jetpack as a game was actually kind of pleasantly non-violent because it was you, you were trying to build a rocket to get the fuck out of there. You're telling me that Attic Attic was violent? Well, uh, Attic Attack. It's yeah, you're you're stuck in a haunted attic. Oh, it's Attack. Yeah. yeah. You said Attic Attic. <clears throat> well, yeah. Uh, next up, Hudson Soft released the first game in a franchise that was just. Oh my god, they ran that franchise all over the place, but and it got shit. a remake on the Xbox 360. I didn't realize they were that old. Uh, Bomberman. MSX and the FMV, and yes, it was Bomberman. They had 3D fucking action <coughs> platformers, and... Mm-hmm. And a... Two, two last things on the personal computer. A company called Scion released a game called Checkered Flag on the ZX Spectrum. Huh. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what's notable about that? It's okay if you can't. No, because I don't remember the episode of Genie Vision that I saw that on. Yes, was it... it, I'm going to say it's the first racing game to deliberately include a bunch of real cars with license. You are so close! It was the first racing game 
first driving game with selectable cars that oh. behave differently. Okay. Because it was trying to be, in its own words, a car simulator. Wow. So it kind of kicked yeah. off that genre. Finally, a, a uh, game called Dandy was released for the Atari 8-Bit <laughs> family. It directly inspired a 1985 arcade game that kind of helped define the 80s arcade. What do you reckon this game had as its big feature? A trackball? Mm. Nope. Changeable hats. Nope, nope. Okay. It did have multiple characters <laughs> and multiple it a players. fighting game? No, it had four-player simultaneous multiplayer. Ooh, wow. Okay. And the game it inspired was Gauntlet. Oh, hey, cool. Yeah, the developers of Gauntlet said, right, we yeah. basically liked this game called Dandy, and we're like, can we make that? Yeah, we can make that. Oh, uh, let's, let's give them hats. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, yeah. And now let's give them a way to just totally fuck each other during the co-op play, so that becomes the object of the game. Uh-huh. Sweet! So they die faster, and that they give us more quarters. On the console, I and- have played the, um, PS2 Gauntlet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the problem. It's it's not bad, but it's so soulless. Yeah. It could, like, at no point did I feel like I should just stop caring about the goal and and try to get my friend viciously dismembered. (laughs) Alright. On the console, to give you an idea of how much the contraction is, there are only three notable, historically notable things on the console at this point. On December 12th... (laughs) Three historically noticeable things ever. Like, we've already had the Atari app for a while. Yeah, but that's the thing. The, the, the console market was contracting so fast. Oh, in this year. In there's this only year. Three, no, there's right. only three. Oh, you were saying like in the history of consoles. Oh, no, no. My... <laughs> that's a bit harsh, surely. I'm a snob, but I'm not that much of a snob. <laughs> uh, Nintendo published one game this year for the Famicom. That's not good. One game for their console. But Luigi came out. Uh, so... he, on the, he on the arcade. Yeah. Yeah, they were going to port that next year. Uh, but no, this is, this is a uh, an educational game. No. Well. Featuring an existing character uh, uh, they had access to. This is Donkey Kong Junior Math. This is Donkey Kong. I, I am genuinely amazed. Well wow. fucking done, Jeb. Wow. Now this one, this one's going to be a bit of an easy one for Jeb, I think, <laughs> because it's Mattel Electronics. It was published on the Intellivision. It was one of the first video games to use multiple camera angles, and it was a sport game. And it had to license the name of the sport. Mattel had sports licenses. Yeah, wow. Mattel Electronics. Well, because they had television, and it was there's no number. Mattel up. had television. The Intellivision. Intellivision, the console. Oh, the yeah. Intel. Right, sorry. Yep, yeah. uh, it's named after a big tournament in the United States. I think it's a tournament. I'm gonna look really stupid if he's like, "That's not a tournament." You <laughs> <laughs> multiple uh, camera angles. Yeah, it used multiple camera angles, so so you'd see. You'd see uh, the play, and then you'd see the result of the play, and you'd see people a, reacting. Was this like Lee Trevino's fighting golf? No. It's the this ball was, round. This was World Series baseball. Oh. The ball is round. Yes. Okay, the World Series is just a series. It's between Oh, okay. Games. So it's not a tournament? <laughs> My bad. Okay, fine. Alright. What's the difference? I don't know, and if we go into it now, we'll be here all day. Fair point. Activision. A tournament has more than two teams. The oh, series okay. has two teams. That's the difference right there. Oh. Radio. Uh, so there's like State of Origin. Oh, okay. Uh, act- state of Origin is definitely not any of the other states, just one of these who fuck up all your others. <laughs> yeah. Activision's final big year of the Atari 2600 releases happened, and I... Like, you you get a point if you just go, oh, I recognize that with these names. Because <laughs> we have... 
Enduro. Oh, I recognize Endur- that. Wait, wait, wait. Enduro was um sort of like a like a like like a car stunt racing thing. Uh-huh. Where you drove around different cl- tracks and you had to make sure you had enough speed to get over various ramps and anything. And yeah, you had oh shit. you had persistent like persistent damage that your car accrued. Yeah. Like holy uh, shit. Jeb, yeah. you're really good at this year. Jeb knows his shit about this year. <laughs> Fuck. Uh next up, Decathlon. Uh Decathlon is well it's pretty obvious by the name, but that, yeah. yeah, that I believe, one I, do know, I believe there was also a C sixty four port. Yep. There was a C sixty four. I played the and- shit out of that as a kid. <laughs> and it was also on the ColecoVision. Uh, the game was later reissued simply as Decathlon. But um, isn't that what it was called to begin with? They later on the Activision Decathlon. Oh, right. They later on. They later on wound up kind of inspiring the uh, the Epic's uh, Summer and Winter games. Yeah, right. Those are the ones Series. that I would have actually played. <laughs> <laughs> the, and a game called Keystone Capers. Oh, like that sounds from the title like a like a like a lock I and chase sort of thing. I've heard of that. It's. A Keystone Cops homage game. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so it's meant to be a silent film comedy game. <laughs> uh, Robot Tank, which I think is one of the purest games in Nathan's. <laughs> That's a good name. That's a uh, good, right. That's robust strong, name. Yeah, yep. fair enough. Yep. It's a strong um, name. I, I support this name. <laughs> and Space Shuttle, A Journey into Space. <laughs> which is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I like how they put the subtitle on there because we might not understand <laughs> Where are we what going? you do with the space Where shuttle. Where are we going with this space shuttle? <laughs> to <laughs> Wendy's. So this this game, this year, like game releases, obviously Jeb, like very strongly connects to things Jeb knows. To us, who weren't necessarily sunk into console culture at this point, it doesn't stick with us quite seemingly so well. How about the actual events of the year? Which include, yes, the beginning of the contraction. Also, this is the year when Life Magazine, which isn't a video game magazine, ran a two-page spread on arcade game world record holders. Woo! Called the Video Game VIPs. <laughs> Electronic Games tried to label Donkey Kong and Space Panic with a, with a name to describe their type of gameplay. They called them Climbing Games. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Golden Joystick Awards ceremony... Uh, oh. Manic Miner. real, there was a golden joystick. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, we... <laughs> yep. Uh, That's a useful trophy, is all I'm saying. Also, some businesses came into existence at this point. Now, some of them, they're, they're only meaningful in this spectrum of time, but some of them have lasted. Like, Akasoft and Alligator, they, they were mostly of their era. But a company called Infogrames was founded in 1983. Oh, that, yeah, heard of them. By the, yeah. by the way, the gold yeah. joysticks still exist. Yep. They have been going for, for 33 years. Do you get a trophy? I don't know if there is a trophy. Mm-hmm. But it is the largest, uh, it is the largest um, video game awards presentation in the world. Also in this year? There should definitely be a trophy. A company called Navarre, which... You know, there's probably some part of your brain that goes, Navarre, why is that familiar? You mean like the Sp- you mean like the, the former Spanish nation? Yeah, well, N-A-V-A-R-R-E. Oh, <laughs> I was trying to crack wise. Which was founded, which may, you may have in the back of your head, like, why is that familiar? It's because Navarre owned Funimation. Huh. They've sold it since, 
but Navarre were primarily a publishing company that stayed well below the water and just happened to do things like turn Funimation's interests towards anime. Hmm. Uh, a company called so Spectrum... it's their fault. It's their fault. Yes. <laughs> a company called Spectrum Holobyte. Ah, yes. Yes. Which, uh, Jeb, do, do you remember what Spectrum Holobyte did that, that sticks out in your memory? <laughs> they remember what they did. They know, they know what they did. <laughs> um, I remember that they were the... they, they develop, I think they developed quite a few of the Mastertronic published games. Yep. They were also responsible for the Falcon series of flight simulators on the early Mac, Amiga, mm-hmm. and uh, MS-DOS games. Mm-hmm. They were also responsible for a couple of point-and-click adventure games and uh, uh, you know strategy games and the PC releases of Tetris. Huh. So Spectrum Holobyte... Oh, also, Spectrum Holobyte are the people who took a punt on this up-and-coming British developer guy who really liked cars. He really liked cars, and his name was Jeff Cremond. And he had this one game he'd made, fit the whole thing on a disc, and it was called Stunts. Oh! Yeah! I love that game. (laughs) Was this one of the first driving games where you can make your own track? Yes, it was! Yes, it was! It was also probably one of the most pirated games I ever encountered in my youth. <laughs> it was uh, eventually published by Broderbund. Yep. That's a name I recognize. So yeah, Spectrum Holobyte, kind, kind of important, kind of important. Uh, also in this year, Mastertronic were founded. Rest in peace. Again. Who are they in their day job? Origin Systems and Interplay. Rest in peace. Oh, wow. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, Master Mastertronic were eaten by Virgin Interactive. Ooh, wow. Master Master Mastertronic Mastertronic. Um, they they published a lot of my childhood on the C sixty four. Um, I saw a lot of Master Mastertronic logos. I want to say they even published like the Learning Company games. I can't follow through on that, but yeah. They, they published a lot of stuff. They did a lot of redistribution, especially mm-hmm. especially for um, Australian developers like Melbourne House and yeah. um, uh, the Sega uh, cartridges getting distributed yeah. in the United States. Right. Uh, they were eaten by Virgin Interactive because Richard Branson noticed that he owned 45% of their stock. He apparently hadn't been paying that close attention. Um... <laughs> After that, they were resold to Sega. Oh. And, so the opposite of how these things should work. And then when Sega kind of collapsed in on itself, they, uh... <clears throat> uh the name has been purchased from Sega for a group that wants to call themselves the Mastertronic Group. Uh-huh. Yep. And... So they haven't done anything yet? Yes, And... Yep. And... Uh... A couple years ago... There suddenly existed again a Mastertronic uh, publisher of indie games called Mastertronic, which was a tribute to mm. the Mastertronic. Do not uh, go near the... Virgin. Do not go near Virgin Interactive's IP. They will come oh. after you. Oh no, oh. no, they didn't. There was something about the trademarking or whatever. But these are the people who had wound up publishing things like um, Richard Malice. Oh, oh yeah, and. Um, Oh, did they do the Channel House? 
No, not Charnel House. Um, and Salt, uh, Salt, Salt, Samaritan Paradox. Ah, uh, okay. So good, oh. good adventure games. Yeah, really wow. great. Some really great games. And l- late last year, early this year, they went under, sadly. Sad. But they helped all of their clients get their own publishing, uh, their, their self-publishing arranged. That's nice. Before they completely sunk. Wow. That's really good of them. Yeah. Mastronic uh, were really good people. The, uh, the strain, the, the other, other companies at this point, like Origin, again, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, Origin Systems were responsible for, amongst other things, Ultima and Wing Commander. Um, and the, the entry of their Wikipedia page is more than slightly disheartening because you have this standard, you know, info box on the side and it has, Type, it was a subsidiary of Electronic Arts, an industry, video game industry, Fate. Oh. Fate is... <laughs> fate is the name of EA's fucking answer to Steam. Yep. That and is the fate of Origin Systems. While it existed, Origin developed Wings of Glory, multiple Ultima games, all of the Wing Commander series... All of the Crusader games, uh, so Crusader No Remorse and No Regret, Strike Commander, and System Shock 1 and 2. Jesus. That is a fucking pedigree. Mm. And now they're the name of EA's DRM. Yeah. Uh, Infogrames is mostly wearing Atari's skin as a mask at this point. Uh, but they're the ones who gave us things like Alone in the Dark. And also, I believe they published more than a few titles that uh, were drawn by Eric Shahi. Like, yeah, um, the the one that world. came before Another World and all that. The, the flashback. The, no, no, flashback before was those. after. After, okay. Before those, the the one that came right before it, where you're the, the, the where you're a janitor we... who winds up going to space because that's what you fucking do. Oh, yeah, time chases or something like that. Thank no, you. it's not called time chases. It's um. <laughs> Time oh, something. Del- Delphine published them in Europe. I cannot yeah. remember the name of them for the life of them. They have awful point-and-click controls. Just, and, and, uh, and, um... Why can we not remember this? Yeah, I've watched a Let's Play of this, yeah. like, a dozen freaking times, because it's really funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that one. We'll, we'll, we'll totally say something about it later. Uh, anyway. Also, two other points of, two other business events in this year. Oh, uh, Future... Future Wars! Yes. That's the one. Future fucking wars, yeah. So Also the title of an MST film, but not Time Chasers, a more different one. So, two other historical events in this year. One, the Vectrex console... Yes! ...was being... was, was, uh... (laughs) Its distribution was taken over by Milton Bradley. The board game blokes. The board game people. (laughs) Ah. I... Yeah. Also, I don't know what you say about that. There was a bun fight this year, a pretty big legal what? fight. Oh, between Atari and the Connecticut Leather Corporation, <laughs> otherwise known as Let's Coleco. Go. Right. <laughs> claiming that Atari's patents on the Atari 26 claiming violation of Atari's patents on the Atari 2600 video game mm-hmm. console. Because in 1982, Coleco released a peripheral device that meant you could you plug 2,600 game cartridges into, into the Coleco Vision and by proxy television. That. Yep. Uh, there's a reason why the 
Coleco uh, is a weird story. <laughs> yep. Where, where, where else can you get, in historical sequence, a leather punch, a Cabbage Patch doll, a video game console, and a hilarious story about being ripped off on a Kickstarter? Roll back. They own the Cabbage Patch dolls? Yeah, they, they made the Cabbage Patch dolls. Holy shit. <laughs> that is a weird history. That is a fucking weird history. Are they also the ones who made a bunch of those horrible, you know, 200 games on one cartridge kind of thing? No, uh, the, no, no. What they, one thing they did do was make these really fucking amazing, like, 800 question booklets that came in a... Oh, little, yeah. That came in a little case that had a, a chip in it that you plugged this wonky-ass keypad into, and it was like a portable trivia book game. Yep. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. Those were so much fun. So, one final thing that happened in 1983 that's notable for the video game industry is that this is the year... Fox was where, born. Well, yeah, okay, so two things. But the, the, this is the year that Talon Nintendo... That too. This is the year... And Warhammer. Yeah, good point. This is the year that Nintendo won its lawsuit where it was being sued... By MCA Universal Studios. About that fucking monkey. The fucking monkey. (laughs) Uh, Can you just just honestly imagine the the state of the video game industry today if Nintendo had lost? Yeah, that would be completely crackers. It'd be so strange. And, And for them to have lost would have required such a generous interpretation... Such an incredibly pro-corporate interpretation of the idea of, ah. of, of public domain. He chewed the much tape. Oh. Wicked dog. Well, they also had, like, a wizard lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the case was not only dismissed, but MCA Universal had to pay $1.8 million in damages to Nintendo. And it was ruled that, nin- that, that, that King Kong had passed into the public domain. And also, it was ruled that Nintendo now had the more legitimate claim to the name King Kong, thanks to Donkey Kong, and that meant that MCA were in danger of violating Nintendo's copyright if they re-released the film. Yeah, um, so you're wrong about public domain, then. That's... It can't be in public domain, and also the, uh... After a brief trial, the judge determined that the rights to the original Kong had passed into the public domain. That's the Wikipedia entry on this. Then how the hell could Nintendo sue them for? Re- they didn't. Nintendo didn't sue them. They no, sued but Nintendo. You're proposing that they could have. The judge ruled that, like, because they have the more recent thing, using King Kong. Theoretically, if it hadn't been public domain, they could have been like, "Hey, it's a ours." Weird, if, weird ruling. And, it, and it's entirely possible the judge was just wrong. Mm. Or I mean, high. Well, yeah, it's, it's 1983. Cocaine was a thing. But yeah, if, if 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 Nintendo had lost that, or, you know, not taken it to court, not had a wizard lawyer willing to take it to court... Yeah, Nintendo would basically not exist in the United States as a presence, which means... Do you realize that, how highly unlikely that the industry would have been to recover from the 1984 crash without yeah. the Nintendo? Yeah. <laughs> like... We, we out here in, in the rest of the world with our primary Sega bent, you know, we 
it's very easy for us to act, to be resentful of like, oh, well, Nintendo being determined as video games. Yeah, but they did drive the biggest economy into a video game market. It's kind of hard to get past that. Yeah, the video games still would have happened, but... It would be... Things it, would probably be uh, quite different. It'd be slower. Wholly be yeah, different slower. way. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Wholly different way. We would have had the 2000s golden age of video, golden age of video games instead of the 90s golden age of video games. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well done, Jeb. That was a really impressive round of retro gaming news. <laughs> yeah. Um, you clearly scored the most points, but I won because it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well done, everyone. That was the Downloadable Concept Podcast. As ever always, that was Jeb. That was Fox. And that was Talon. We told you we'd be back next week. We told you. We told you. We're going to be back next week? Don't don't hold out for next week, though. Okay, well, we'll find out. It'll be, it'll be cool. I know a guy. I know a guy. It's cool. You know a guy who will be here next week? <laughs> I know someone. Someone will be here next week. We don't know if it's us. Someone yeah. will be here. He might not have the keys. He will have a parrot. You will ask the parrot three questions. Yeah, I have no idea what these two are talking about. (laughs) See ya! Australia, anything could have happened. Good boy. If this gets into the edit, you'll know I've run out of material.